and welcome to another episode of the Boom Goddess Podcast Project with your hosts, myself, Dr. Andrea Goldmarks, Jennifer Davis Page, and Bibi Peters. This podcast aims to ignite inspiration in primetime women by creating a super learning community, a safe space for all women to contribute their voices and visions. For more information on this episode and to learn more, visit us at boomgoddessradio.com. Wow, what a morning we've had. We did something a little different this morning. We recorded a video at the very beautiful Ritz-Carlton here in Tucson, Arizona. The Ritz-Carlton Dove Mountain is a a, a magnificent resort and was perfect for our setting today. And we would like to thank them very much for allowing us to host our our YouTube video at their beautiful property. So thank you, Ritz-Carlton Dove Mountain. Our hearts are full. I feel like there is uh, weight on top of my chest. Uh, experiencing the discussions and the questions that were asked and foremost the answers that were given by gold star mothers Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get over that weight until maybe a day or two well as you know you can thank your partner Jennifer Davis Page (laughs) Jennifer had a bee in her bonnet about wanting to have these gold star mothers the ones who happen to be here in Tucson part of a national organization to share their stories and basically we decided as as a group to invest in shedding light on on this group of of women of mothers in our nation who've lost sons to war well the important thing for me was after listening to the and daughters yes and daughters yes uh after listening to the Khan family as you both know that's where i i really became passionate about knowing about gold star families and this was this was an important project after speaking with about 12 people in our in our in our town and i asked them i said do you know what a gold star mother is and 12 out of 12 did not know so i thought it was important that we add to getting the word out, to, to having our listeners understand what ghost star mothers and ghost star families are and what they've gone through. It's such an extreme example of loss and grief and undergoing and overcoming. Some of the themes that we've been talking about, it's, you know, once you're in something, how do you bear it? And then how do you carry it? What do you do with it? And so psychologically, it felt important for us to really expose that process. And this is a pain that none of us have, have experienced, uh, losing a child. And I can't even imagine what that's like. I mean, sometimes you can sit with our guests and say, I know what you're 
you're feeling. And we have no idea what this, this feels like. Well, there's another aspect to this, really more specifically, because we could argue that loss has just endless amounts of color. It just goes in every direction. And losing a child to war was really very specifically what this was about. There was another layer of psychology in this for each of these women who've lost their sons. What we did with this episode was to film and record two Gold Star mothers this morning, as we were saying, up at the Ritz-Carlton. Thank you, Ritz-Carlton. And now we have footage of that interview and you can find that right now it'll be on our website as a youtube link it will also be on our facebook page so take a look at that before you even listen to this podcast and then you can see what we've experienced this morning so first we talk to uh, sharon about her son daryl kasson k-a s-s-o-n and my uh, role in this observing of the videoing is to was to uh, record some of the or to uh, jot down some of the main thoughts and ideas that popped up during the interview process so what popped up for you uh sharon was the one that went first and she spoke about her son of course with such great passion and talked about that we never want people to forget that's one of their main goals is that they don't want the gold star mothers do not want people to forget about our sons and daughters she was telling about her son and how he made uh, them laugh all the time and uh, she uh, talked about what made him decide to join the military in the first place and um, Jen you asked a question about how she learned that her son was killed and one of the most poignant questions was about how did she cope with the news of his um, death and you talked about uh, the coping mechanism, but actually the living with that news. Um, so how did you both feel when this process was unfolding? Well, I was very tuned in to the description of her son as a child and his jubilant nature, his passionate nature. Um, the fact that he was really one of a people person. He was into social responsibility. He really cared about protection, protecting his family, protecting his country, ultimately. Very interesting origins of passionate commitment. These young men and women that decide that they're going to sign up, uh, brave is, 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 is not an adequate enough word for them. It is remarkable how they decide that they're going to leave their home, leave their homeland, and go fight in another country and keep us all safe from, from the evils of, of war. I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I, I think that these, these mothers, as I said, we couldn't even, we can't even imagine the pain that they must be going through. Some of these soldiers have been, were killed in action 12 years ago. Uh, and one would think 12 years is a long time, but it's not a long time when you're wrestling with the loss of a child. And it was 
interesting that Sharon said that parents really deal with it in a different way. Uh, for mothers, it's particularly uh, painful because of how they carried the sons and daughters inside of them for nine months. And so that initial bond that exists continues to be with them no matter when. I think I, I think that Marsha Moon really um, added another uh, facet of that distinction when she really spoke about the differences between how her husband, who was so amazingly committed and so close and so male and so compartmentalized as opposed to her really free flow of feeling and how he described let her know up front I'm going to do it differently than you but we're both going to do it in our own way here was a man who was not afraid to grieve and to own his way of grieving we're not so sure how or we are sure that with Sharon the uh, grieving process was way more compromised complicated confusing for the couple and ultimately resulted in divorce as a, a mental health professional, why do you think that the there's such a high percentage of marriages that end at as a result of losing a, a child to war? Is it to war or is it just, it, she told us that it was 70% of, of couples that lose a child to war end up losing their marriages. Why do you think that percentage is so high? I think it's such an important, it's such an important issue. Two things. I mean, I think one of them is it just in general, like sh uh, like these women were talking about, that the differences or similarities in grieving make a big difference. And in the case of Marsha's situation, her husband up front shared with her. He was self-aware enough to say, I'm going to grieve differently than you. In other marriages, there's not necessarily that awareness. And so one or the other party might think, you don't care enough, you're not grieving enough, you're not grieving right, you're not with me in this grief. So Marsha Moon had a very special situation. At the same time, there's another huge factor, and that's that many marriages come together for the express purpose of having children. And certainly there's the issue of losing a single child or an only child, but there isn't always something to be said for the role of a particular child in a marriage and what that means for the marriage. One of the things that really struck me when Marcia was uh, talking about her son is what um, made him join the military, how he was always dreaming about fulfilling a dream that he had of being a sniper. And he was asked to wait a semester and see if his thoughts were still the same. And he did and was doing so well in school. It was a football hero, right? Baseball. And or baseball, baseball. Mm -hmm. and uh, and and then he was so committed to it. He had that driven, pa that uh, driving passion that made him uh, commit to that path. What was so interesting to me as a psychologist is that Marsha did share with us his um, his early years 
and how growing up in the desert, he played in the desert. He played with BB guns in the desert. He learned survival skills in the desert. So you can almost see that the transition from the theater of his imagination as a child was just one half step away from a very real opportunity to join the military. And just to comment on what you what you said there about Marsha asked him when he was eager to leave after college and even after his great success being drafted by the Atlanta Braves. I mean, this was big. Even in the face of all that, um, it was such good parenting to say, look, this be a little more circumspect. Do a semester for me. I mean, that was just great parenting. And you can see, though, that the flame inside that child no matter how much he loved his mom and no matter how much he agreed with that rationale, he just, he gave it what he could and he said, I've got a calling here. And I think that she felt that so much as well because we heard her say that she would sign the release for him to join no matter what, even right. if the father said no to right. it, but mm-hmm. she would do it. So she felt that need in him. I called it respect. I think it's such a beautiful example when a parent can respect a child's wishes. Well, at some point when they become adults, you have to because they insist that you do. Right, or else the consequences can be messy. Exactly. But but it's beautiful to see that without, without the conflict, with just the simple respect, I see that there's a burning desire in my child to become this. And so he came by it so honestly. And they had a role in in setting that up and teaching him how to survive. So here was a real life application. By the way, that is the function of child's play. Child's play functions to prepare us for life. And that's why, (laughs) so if we go back to playing house, right? (laughs) Right, the nature of what we play does determine actually um, or sets the internal infrastructure for our choices. On our YouTube video, we're going to have a, um, you'll notice when you're watching the, the back drop of, of what we had sitting next to the mothers. I'm not quite, is that a backdrop? Would that be considered yes. a backdrop? It was a beautiful flag, American flag, that um, Sharon Jones received when, at, when her son was buried. And she had it glass encased with his picture, and she ca- she treasures it. And it was quite a moving moment when I saw her get out of her car and and hold it close to her heart. Um, so please pay attention to the beautiful um, pictures that are behind each one of the mothers. And also, what what each and every person does to animate their grief to cope with their grief to live through their grief everything on the continuum of passive acceptance and quiet all the way to activating as Marsha talked about a mission and Sharon illustrated and a calling and that's one of the things in dealing with any grief is to find a sense of meaning in it and if we've got reminders, like Sharon talks about the run, um, however many miles it was with mile markers corresponding to the different men who were being honored, uh, different warriors, sorry, 
correspond the mile markers corresponding to the warriors that yes. were being memorialized in that run or having something symbolic like the quilt like yes. uh, Marcia's quilt to notice it there when you almost want to hold it to your heart because it is sitting there and she described that how it was covering his coffin when they got to uh, Germany at that time and how she treasures that because it is part of that moment it is part of him and I was remembering and I might have remembered it different that he was injured and it covered him it covered him yes. and so she was attached to something that had touched him and this happens all the time that people will take something that was on the body of or the the person part of them and hold on to it whether it's ashes in a little urn around one's neck or whether it's a, a bracelet with a symbol or a medal or just like Marcia said you know something that touched his body and how we deal with grief also has a lot to do with how we hold on to images and those images, how we make them a part of our lives. When I was helping her pack up all of the things that she had brought to the Ritz-Carlton Dove Mountain and help her um, get into her car and put everything away, there were certain things that she gave me to carry when I asked her, and that blanket was not one of them. <laughs> all right, that was, that was sacred to her. You know, I carried papers out for her and 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 books out, but the blanket was sacred, and she wanted to carry that to the car. It it makes so much sense that we would imbue meaning by making something a sacred object. When I was taking notes as Marcia was uh, talking, I had to type this all in caps uh, because it's. Uh, stood out so much to me relative to the question that you asked uh, as to how this experience changed Marcia as a woman. It's such a significant question. What did you both get out of that answer that she provided? It was it was a, a, an evolution into a transformation, I guess are the words that come to my mind. Because again, as she was actively grieving, there were increasing dawning awarenesses that there was a calling that was speaking to her in terms of what she was supposed to do with her life and how she as a woman, and in her case, fortunate that she was supported helped crystallize how important it was to provide support to other women. And when I saw her tear up, I mean, that's what we women do. When I saw her tear up and she, it was almost like it just happened last week, you know, that th that this story is, is, is still so fresh in her head and her heart and as it, and that's how we internalize, I do believe. That's how women internalize. I mean, it will it will never go away. I happened to read the front page of our local newspaper a few Sundays ago, and they did a piece on a Gold Star Mother because the 25th of September represented Gold Star Mother's Day. This woman was 88 years old. Her son died in Vietnam. He would have been 50 years old. Um, no, no, oh no, not. I'm sorry, not 50 years old. She was 88, so he was in the. How old are those guys now? They're in their 70s, right? Yeah, 60s, Six, late 60s, late 60s, and 70s. late 60s. And she 
that mom is still grieving for her lost son. So that's, I mean, it, it was very powerful to see her face and to see this 88-year-old mother who is still talking about the loss of her son. It, it, never, goes, it never goes away. And some would say that what humanizes us, what keeps us human, is to be broken open. And however we are broken open, uh, whether it's through loss or through, well, it's usually through some kind of loss, some kind of brokenheartedness, that break in the heart never heals. It only serves to allow us to be compassionate, to allow us to be sympathetic, and to really see that we have a shared humanity here, and it's a heart humanity. For those that don't really know about Gold Star Families, Gold Star Families started in World War One, I, I believe. And when the men went off to war, there would be a blue star put on their homes so that when, when your neighbors would see the blue star, they would know that you're, you have a person that is fighting a war. Um, and then when that when the blue star was replaced by a gold star, your your community now knew that you had lost a loved one to war. I was talking to one of my neighbors, and she's about seventy years old, and she was telling me she remembers when her dad went off to World War Two, uh, and the blue star was put on their home. Uh, so it's it's I I think that it's. It's, it's coming to the forefront now because, unfortunately, because of the, the, uh, the Khan family. But um, it's been around for a long, long time. Well, I think that if we go back to the shared heart, mm -hmm. if we can go back to the shared heart, despite the fact that our world is so loaded with irrelevant information, mm -hmm. and here we've done an episode that really aims to raise awareness about suffering that we may not know even exists. And so hopefully in listening to our podcast and most particularly in watching that YouTube presentation, we do what we say we're going to do. We're going to raise awareness. We're going to inspire um, and motivate women in our age group to take action and to be more um, compassionate and connected. Yes, and those are the, the two words that I was just thinking about, that connection, that community connection that has now um, developed and continues to evolve among the Gold Star mothers and the opportunity that we provide through this podcast to share the news about that. And then the other component was Marsha's vision for what her purpose is in life now. Um, not that she didn't have a purpose before, but she's certainly very clear on what it is going to be for her. And it's so um, beautiful to see that we may have one part of our purpose clear at some stage in our life, and then life just keeps on pitching, and circumstances keep on changing, and we are so fortunate as human beings that we can adapt to circumstances and continue to find meaning and purpose regardless of how life plays out. It was very 
interesting and valuable to have Dr. Michael Marks with us there. He has been um, working with veterans for over 40 years and to hear his uh, perspective on the experience that he's had and what has bubbled up in his life as he was listening to Sharon and Marsha talk. That was so emotional for me. Very, very powerful. That's why I really hope that our listeners will watch the YouTube video so that you can uh, see um, Michael. He has been a a, um, a great supporter of Boom Goddess Radio, and we have a great deal of respect for him. I love how he talked about being numbed out by the events, by the circumstances. And he talks about the duty to honor, um, that our duty continues to be to honor the sacrifice that these young men and women made. Um, and he, he and his passion to honor to honor the people of the generation that he's of, um, and it was fascinating to me. I think the historical perspective is really interesting here with um, Michael Marx, uh, in that he was a war resistor um, uh, for uh, at the you know during the Vietnam War, and yet the minute how he says his brothers came back from war he felt a deep sense of responsibility to help them reintegrate so this current um, employment that he has at the University of Arizona is to help young veterans returning from Iraq and Afghanistan to reintegrate themselves into society and to maintain and even expand their sense of mission because what we've learned through all of these wars and all of these lives of returning veterans is that unless there's a mission to reattach to, unless someone really brings it forward that there's missions to be completed and hey guys, you know, you're the ones to do it, that that's the ethic and that's the character and the personality of our modern day warriors. And it's great for us as citizens to be aware that this is what every, every military person, once they're released from the military, every single person wants to reconnect with a sense of mission. And if we don't recognize that, we are missing an incredible resource. And I felt uh, the importance of under, of understanding what happens to the mind of a military person who feels so cohesively, coherently part of a team mm-hmm. when they are fighting. And so there is the sacrifice that they know they are willingly making, but then they develop this bond with the team that they go out there with, and they come back and maybe they're not recognized for the sacrifice, but the web that held them together there is no longer here and present. It's one of the most amazing bonding experiences other than the mother-child bonding or siblings bonding is the bonding of buddies, people who are in war together and in incredibly life-endangering 
situations. And I just want to go back to the issue of numbing out. And um, so here we have a caregiver. Michael Marks is a psychologist and has been for 40 years providing care for veterans and their families. We all get burned out as caregivers. It's a cyclical thing. If we didn't feel the huge compassion and we saw how he teared up, he was at some distance from it and able to touch his feelings. And then if you're immersed in it day after day, year after year, there is a part of you that numbs out. The same is true of the warrior that year, you know, year after year, deployment after deployment of horror and loss and mayhem, after a while the human body goes into a sense of shock and that's in a way what we, you know, we often call PTSD, post, post-traumatic stress disorder or syndrome or whatever we want to call it. It's just like, you know, having an accident and then being in shock. And then the shock wears off. And then there's the pain. So for caregivers as well as for warriors, I think Dr. Marks illustrated that quite well. I would like any of our listeners that are Gold Star mothers or Gold Star families, if you're listening to us today and you'd like to contribute something, if you'd like to leave us a, a comment about you and your family and your life or community of other Gold Star Mothers, please let us know. Uh, they're all over the country. Um, we're not asking you to, to give us names or addresses, of course, of these families, but tell us your story. Let us know what your thoughts are, and we would greatly appreciate it on our website, www.boomgoddessradio.com. Or visit us on Facebook at Boom Goddess Radio. Yes, and we also want to uh, remind everyone to watch the video, which we're going to post on our website. As well as a link on our Facebook page. As well as a link on our Facebook page. Or find our YouTube channel. Yes. Under Boom Goddess Radio. Yes. Well, we're everywhere, aren't we? We're yeah. just everywhere. Um, and the other item that we would like to tell you to pay particular attention to is the National Wreath Program. And that will be discussed in the YouTube video. And there will be a link there giving you information about the Wreath Across America program and how you can contribute if you'd like to. And, and what is that program? A little bit, just the, in a little overview. The Wreath Across America is... Um, these are live wreaths. They're $15 each. And every December, all over the United States, men and women place these live wreaths on graves of fallen soldiers. Uh, we have 45,000 graves here in, in our southern Arizona area. They, as I said, they're all over the country. And on the 17th of December, we will be going out. We, the boom goddesses, and all of our, our friends are going out to place these beautiful wreaths on these graves. There are some times that they can't get 45,000. So some fallen soldiers are left without even having a, a Christmas wreath on their graves, which is quite a shame. So we're working very hard to, to make sure that we can try and reach that 45,000 goal. Uh, so if you will take a look and contribute and we will give you the link to do that. We'd appreciate it, and so would all of our Gold Star Mothers.
we welcome your suggestions. Please visit our website at boomgoddessradio.com. Reach out to us. Use the Contact Us tab. Let us know what you think and what kind of topics you'd like to hear. Thank you for tuning in today. This is Dr. Andrea, Jennifer, and Bibi, your Boom Goddesses, signing off. Each voice of wisdom shares ripples out into our universe and inspires so many others. Namaste. For technical reasons, portions of this program have been pre-recorded.